Hey, this is Wilton. Welcome to the Black Oralities Podcast, where I talk about history, music, politics, sound, things, uh, philosophy, and theory of music. Um, and today I am talking about William Onyebo. Finally, this has been a long time coming. Uh, between twenty late 2015 and 2018 i did a master's thesis and a large part of the focus of that master's um thesis was uh the work of william onyebo and its relationship to um science fiction uh afrofuturism and so on um but yeah so today <laughs> you're going to be listening to me uh, talk for however long this goes on I'll try and keep it under 40 minutes but we'll see he's such a fantastic man he's amazing and so I might just keep rambling on but um, in this I guess in this kind of initial early segment um, I want to say something about the music and the moment that William Onyebo emerges out of. So he's born in the in the ni- 1940s in Nigeria. Uh, colonialism ends in the 1960s in Nigeria. And uh, William Onyebo is an interesting figure because he, he comes out at a time where a lot of political music is coming out of the African continent. So we, you know, a lot of the Fela Kuti types, a lot of the Mary Makeba, Yuma Sikela, uh, those types of folks are coming out with uh, incredible uh, catalogs of music that are explicitly political. But my argument is that William Onyebo emerges in this wildly tumultuous, volatile political moment and chooses not to write explicitly political songs. Um, But what we know already of life, of the world, of our experiences of the world is that when black people in all of their variety all across the world, when black folks make something joyful when they enjoy themselves when they express joy and happiness and love that in and of itself is already a political act i should repeat that black joy black love black happiness black dance expression all of these things are already a political act because we live in a world that has been structured around the exploitation of the labor, of the bodies, of the minds of indigenous people across the world, but especially in the last uh, in the last five centuries or however long it's been, um, especially when it comes to uh, people from the African continent and and then people from African diasporas and elsewhere. So expressions of joy, expressions of opulence, uh, expressions of happiness and love and empathy and care, these things are political acts. 
I'm not saying that, and maybe I was a bit over, in my master's thesis, I might have been a bit uh, overzealous about the virtues of the music of William Onyebo. But I really do think that um, his insistence on creating these opulent, da- opulent dancey, vibey, synth-heavy, uh, drum machine-heavy tracks uh, in the 60s and the, seven- and the 70s and the 80s at the time where a lot of the pop music was um, directly, explicitly political was um, still a political choice, just in a different way. He was trying to make money, he was trying to reach a wide audience, but he was also trying to bring people as much happiness as he possibly could. Another thing I find interesting and fascinating about William Onyebo, and before, in the lead-up to his death in 2017, um... I had finally made contact with someone who claimed to have been his son. Um, I've never been able to confirm it, um, but through connections, I believe that that he that he is uh, who he says he is. Um, in the lead up to his death, I made contact with this person, and um, it seemed like there was a possibility that I would have been able to interview him. Uh, unfortunately, in the time that we were having these conversations, he passed away. Um, and I think it's an incredible loss to the world, uh, especially with his resurgence in popularity because of the uh, Luwaka Bop documentary uh, that you can see on um, on YouTube for free. It's called Fantastic Man. It's like a 30-minute watch. It's nice. Um, it's easy. Um, you know kind of standard um, biographical kind of documentary thing. But what it did reveal is that this man was um, a complex, you know, a deeply complex uh, figure. And so something that I find really interesting about him that I learned through that and through other research was that at some point he turned away from his music um, I think he, he so he turned to a kind of Christianity that for him demanded a a a move away from the kind of lush opulence of the music that he made the um I think he turned to a more pious life I guess one would say um and I just yeah I'm just endlessly fascinated by this fantastic man, by this atomic bomb, um, this huge giant of the African music landscape who has been in many ways kind of re reinvented through the eyes of other people, I guess through through my eyes as well, since I wrote this uh, dissertation, since I'm doing this podcast, since I'm, I've done this years of research and all of these things. Um, so yeah, I'm really happy to um, have you here. I hope you stick around for the whole episode. Uh, if you want to support me, I'm using all the proceeds of this podcast to pay for my university fees uh, so that I can finish my PhD. 
Um, so if you sign up to my Patreon for the five dollar channel, for the five dollar tier or the one dollar tier, even um, if you know if five is is too much per month, um, you'll get exclusive content. Uh, you'll get access to make requests. You'll be able to uh, interact directly with me, ask me direct questions where I will be able to um, spend time answering. I'm also working on some syllabi where I'll uh, teach classes. Um, so I have, I've should say about myself that I have two master's degrees and I'm currently completing my PhD. One master's degree in history from the University of the Western Cape and one master's degree in Africana studies from Brown University, and I'm currently uh, completing my PhD. So, um, yeah, I'm really happy to have you along with this ride. I will link to my Patreon somewhere. You can follow me on Instagram at Black Oralities. It's one word, all lowercase, Black Oralities. Same name as the podcast just one word and lowercase um yeah so stay tuned thank you for being here so um part of my discussion on william on about today is also uh partly to think about the kind of anti and decolonial and post-colonial moment in nigeria uh and one cannot really think about that without thinking about the Niger Delta oil and uh, the turn to capitalism. So I made a bunch of notes um, and you'll see, you know, you'll hear me like drifting off and see me drifting off if you're watching this on video um, every now and again, just to look over my notes that I've put up on the wall. But uh, I really think that this is a, an important part of the conversation because we see the popularity of William Onyabo really emerge out of this kind of uh, post-colonial moment in the um, 70s and 80s Nigeria. It is a period of a lot of opulence for a very small group of people. It is a period of increased uh, liberalization of the market. Uh, it's also a period where we see a lot of um, private corporations. We know especially about Shell, but uh, many others move into the Niger Delta to basically exploit the volatile political situation in Nigeria at the time uh, and to try and siphon off as much oil for their for their uh, stakeholders and for themselves. So these, you know, we already know the story of these vile, evil uh, oil corporations. And um, Nigeria is, and the Niger Delta specifically, is a very big part of that. Um, the Niger Delta and the oil... Um, exploitation uh, politics and economics going on in that area really exposes the the disaster that that capitalism represents far before this moment that we are in now so we're seeing it emerging in the 70s 
sixties and seventies in that area already. Um, there's of course the ecological impact of uh, drilling for oil, of trying to bring oil to the surface to then be refined. It's also important to note that the vast, 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 vast majority of Nigeria's wealth comes out of um, oil fields. Um, and so it's an important uh, market to, to keep note of. But anyway, I want to highlight some things. So one of the things is the ecological impact of oil spills, of drilling for oil, uh, the destruction of the ecology of that region, of foodways, of waterways, um, leading to increased poverty, increased destitution um, of the people who are living in that region. Um, but then we also see the ecological impact of companies destroying the physical region uh, to win the power that will allow them to then monopolize the um, the oil caches available. Um, I think one thing that we that we know now already, but um, that should be part of our discussion is the thing that oil represents. Uh, we see it with like the ways in which um, it's represented in film and so on, but it represents this kind of promise of opulence, this promise of we're going to emerge from the depths of poverty. We're going to strike it rich and we're going to enrich ourselves and our family maybe or something like that. This is this is the time that William Onya Boy is making music in. So you have to understand that this is a man that is seeing in his young years, in his developmental years, he's seeing colonialism uh, in his country slowly collapsing. But then he's also seeing coup after the end of colonialism. He's seeing... Um, the invasion of Western corporations um, and private interest groups. He's seeing the volatility that um, military leadership uh, ushers in. Um, and so the oil is representing this kind of promise of opulence, this prom promise of the possibility of uh, a new a new dream, a new richness, a new wealth, not just for the region but for people um, but then that that promise of the the pr the promise that oil brings also brings with it this ugly and violent destruction of people's lives, of ecologies, of ecosystems. Um, and it's clearly had a lasting effect. It's still going on to this day. We still we can still see the effects of that uh, ongoing to this day. And so in many ways for me, when I listen to William Onyabo, I, I can hear 
the opulence, but I can also hear the intent to bring a kind of joyful uh, promise uh, through his music. Uh, he's really, at that time, he's really working to make delight. He's working to, his, his songs are long, uh, eight, nine, ten minutes each. So there's a kind of a rich uh, opulence in the physical track itself. Remember to press a track into a into a wax record, into an LP, um, to have a seven or eight minute, nine minute track. You're not going to get much. Um, you're not going to get many tracks on each side uh, of that record. So there's a kind of richness that that oozes out of. Um, his music but it also is represented in the tone it's represented in the kind of joyful excess of the lyrics of his voice etc now I'm not saying that the promise and the the opulence of oil is somehow analogous with the life and the music of William Oniabo but I am saying that these things emerge in William Onyebo's music emerges within a a context where all of this is going on. So on the one side you have someone like Fela Kuti who is overt with his political messaging, who is uh, a strong nationalist um, African voice. Um, we have many problems. He's an extreme patriarch, a, uh, a, a difficult, abusive man oftentimes. Um, and then on the other side, we have William Onyabo with his cowboy hats, with his Moog synthesizers. Uh, he he was the star where, where Fela had this big band behind him and many backup singers and all of these things, many people operating the system of course William Onyabo had many people's hands in it but when you look at the pictures of his albums covers and uh, when you look at pictures of him when you listen to the music there's a, a centering of the character of William Onyabo this big Nigerian man with his hat and um, there's my favorite picture of him is with his I don't know seven eight nine ten moog synthesizers just laid out around him and you know a dozen microphones around him as well um this makes him extremely fascinating to me because he represents again and i said this in another segment but he represents a kind of marker of what is going on in the world at the moment the cold war the discourse between, uh, you know, uh, communist leftist movements who are seeking to overthrow the opulent violence of capitalism, etc. And here comes this guy who is bigger than big, you know. He is larger than life in every single way. Uh, and I just think he is he's truly the fantastic man. And again... Go listen to his music. In another segment, I spoke about the Tommy Bomb. In this one, I'll say go listen to 
fantastic man because you look so good fantastic man i'm gonna take a little break uh when i come back we'll talk a bit more perhaps about um on your ball and his use of the moog synthesizer so for those music nerds for those who love disco for those who love uh techno dance music house music all of these things uh, i think you'll be particularly interested in this part um i'm really fascinated by the use of technology um yeah so stay with me thank you uh so welcome back to the black oralities podcast today i'm talking about um my favorite nigerian musician of all time one of my favorite musicians of all time for sure uh the great the wonderful the fantastic man himself william onyabo um and in this segment i really just want to talk about um you know one of the things i find very interesting about william onyabo so in 78 he has a song called atomic bomb um and really you know it's not a song about a literal atomic bomb but uh you can go listen to it this is jam and a nice like 8 minute vibey um mix between afro beats uh afro beat uh funk um you know there's kind of this this choral element this call and response element all of these things are happening in the song but uh that song is always also for me at least a really good reminder of the time period in which uh, William Onyabo is uh making um and releasing music um so it's 1978 uh N- Nigeria's newly independent so the country uh is still in this moment of flux really um and uh he releases a bunch of great synthy synth heavy funky uh kind of s- disco-ish adjacent um incredible music uh he has a great voice uh not just the tone but like the texture of his voice the the kind of quality of his voice the timbre timbre as some folks would call it the that intangible uh wondrous wonderful quality um but yeah so he releases the song uh and that one especially always reminds me of the fact that he was writing and making music in the time of um the the height really of the cold war going on between uh soviet nations uh, specifically russia and the usa and its and its allies uh and it has its own little proxy battles going on all around the world um and one of the places where these kind of proxy side wars um between hypercapitalists and um the dreamers of the expansion of neoliberal uh, economic policies um and 
yeah, they ops, the communists, um, the socialists and so on uh, of the USSR and of Cuba especially um, and China. Um, and I think what fascinates me really is the fact that all of this is happening. All of this is happening all at once. It was a must have been an insane time to be alive, uh, an insane time to be living through. Whether you were super aware of it or not, I think it must have been um, incredibly, yeah, affecting uh, to be around in that moment. Um, and really, this makes me think about, you know, uh, Franz Fanon's writing as well, uh, especially about Fanon's um, insistence on critiquing the ways in which um, Western wars often get played out in um, Africa, in Asia, uh, in the Near East, in the Middle East, elsewhere, Southeast uh, Asia. Um, but how how these wars often will play out in the colonies or in the former colonies. And one element of Fanon's uh, um, criticism, critique, not just of capitalism, but also of communism, is the fact that um, a lot of times um, the playground, the battleground for these Western wars will be happening uh, on the continent of Africa or elsewhere instead of in the places where the centers of these wars decisions are being made. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to, I just wanted to chat a little bit about the fact that, um, you know, when we are, when we're talking about uh, anti-colonialism, when we're talking about decolonial work, um, when we're talking about, um, I would say the work of reclaiming histories, making new histories, um, it can't be understated the importance and impact of people, of pop musicians. I think it's important to acknowledge the importance of what largely now would be considered pop music. I think a lot of people turn to Fela Kuti um, as the kind of marker of the, polit the political potential of uh, West African music and musicality. But for me, Fela's fine. Not my favorite. <laughs> William Oniabo is a, a massive and deep favorite for me and uh, will be forever, honestly. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the fact that he had spent time in Russia, supposedly, and I'll try and say more about that, um, the the fact that he fashions himself after this kind of western cowboy with you know he has the big stetson hats and all of that he walks around with a revolver he's known for having pulled a revolver on one of his fellow musicians um excuse me um yeah it makes it it makes him a really fascinating person uh to think about this anti and decolonial moment alongside 
and to think about the ways in which Western wars get played out um, in proxy places uh, and in substitute places uh, outside of the centers where they're actually taking place. Um, so I'm going to take a little break. After the break, I'll uh, chat to you some more about one of my favorite fantastic men in the whole world, the the incredible, the atomic bomb, the fantastic man, Mr. William Onyabor. So here's the thing though, right? Like, blackness can never be reduced to one single thing. Um, and I think there's no, there's no like monolithic blackness. And especially, there's a desire often to uh, reduce uh, black African people to its essential bare basics and often this kind of uh, utopian vision of a pre-colonial uh, uh, black existence, that kind of vision. But there's, that's not possible in any way, shape or form. Is that not, That's not possible. And I think William Onyabo is a great example of the kind of multitudes of black expression, black experience, black uh, art making, black understandings of the world. He represents someone who is, who fits outside of, in many ways, um, outside of a a model of music and art making um, that would want to, its desire would be to pigeonhole to silo um, an artist like that into a very particular kind of figure. And I'm super grateful that he exists in the world. And uh, it helps me, his music, him as a figure, him as a person, um, his interjection into the music, musical world um, in Africa and beyond and into my life has been a real revelation. It's been super important for my own research, my own work, um, but also me as a person, understanding myself, uh, getting to know myself better, um, understanding that I don't, nobody has to fit into anyone's desire of what a archetypal black person must be. Black people are multitudinous. Blackness is... And, uh, you know, it's, it exists in, in many, many, many ways. And perhaps there are things here and there that um, grip and tie us together. It's not always persistent and consistent in any way. Um, so I just want to say thank you to William Onyebo for existing in the world and for giving us this amazing catalog of music. Even though he turned away from it uh, later in his life, I am still super grateful that it exists. Um, and then also just lastly, I want to give a shout out to a professor, a friend of mine, who actually turned me onto the music of William Onyebo as I was trying to figure out um, who the people, who the music is that I'm going to write about for my master's thesis. 
uh, another William, William Ellis, Dr. William Ellis, uh, out at the University of the Western Cape. Um, an incredible scholar, an incredible student of the world, but of music as well. Um, and an extremely generous teacher, interlocutor, advisor. So I just want to say thank you to William for introducing me to William. Uh, and then finally, if you want to uh, support me, uh, support me in making this podcast, in uh, creating um, coursework, creating a newsletter um, and other things and having various ways to access exclusive material um, please sign up for my patreon it will mean the world to me and it would also help me um, continue to create this type of content historical musical philosophical theoretical all of the above uh, thank you for being here with me throughout this william on journey this fantastic man's life um, and I can't wait to bring you the next one. Cheers. <laughs>